0: This week on Geek Explained, in part two of Captain America Month, I'm joined by Scott Nicewander of the NerdSync YouTube channel to discuss Cap's kooky career in cartoons. Welcome back to Explained. I'm your host, Eric Zana, and today's episode is part two of Captain America Month, where pretty much the entire month of July is dedicated to the Star-Spangled Avenger. Last week was part one, where I did a special spotlight on the Mark Wade and George Molina book, Captain America Man Out of Time, and this week, we're Diverging a little bit from comics and heading into the world of animation as we talk about Captain America's um, sordid history when it comes to animation and cartoons. And joining me for this discussion is YouTube extraordinaire Scott Nicewander of the NerdSync YouTube channel. Very excited to share this discussion with you folks. It was a blast and I am very very excited to continue on this month dedicated to to Steve Rogers. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I talk about all the comics you should be picking up this week. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. <music> All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. Going to kick things off with a quick miscellaneous news one piece of video game news uh if you're a fan of assassin's creed like i am you got some interesting news this week that ubisoft is developing another assassin's creed game of course they are constantly developing assassin's creed games but this one is special because apparently this game titled assassin's creed infinity is going to be a live service game um i'm assuming this is in the same vein as like marvel's avengers stuff like destiny where you take uh you have like a character that you make and you go and do different missions and different stuff and i don't know how i feel about this uh you know i'm a huge assassin's creed fan you know that i jump at any opportunity to have more assassin's creed but i haven't been a huge fan of the games as a service model and i know a lot of people haven't been so i don't um, hmm. I don't know how to feel about it, especially with reports recently that there's uh, a lot of fear among Ubisoft when it comes to a lot of their developers leaving because of hostile work conditions, which is unfortunate that they have to go through that. And if they decide to leave, good for them. No one should be put into that kind of situation um i'm not sure how to feel about this i'm gonna need more information and possibly a demo or two just to see like what their plan for this is but as it stands a live service game no thank you more assassin's creed yes please uh hopping over to film news now and a piece of film news that i um uh i'm very sad about (laughs) uh this one hit home for me uh this past week richard donner director of lethal weapon and one of my favorite uh Really one of my favorite, not just superhero movies, but movies of all time, uh, the first two Superman films, but specifically Superman 1978. Richard Donner was a world-class filmmaker making other films, of course, as well, and leaving his mark on film, on that industry. But for me, for uh, Eric Azana, um, a little kid growing up as a military brat, he left his mark on me with Superman, like Superman, Superman, like Christopher Reeve, Superman. Together, him and Christopher Reeve made me believe that a man could fly. And finding out about his passing really, really hurt. Uh, he had a love for the character, he had a love for telling stories and just using every tool available to him in the filmmaking medium to tell incredible stories and he will be missed so i am sending all of my love to his family and his friends to hopefully you know get them through this really hard time but uh richard donner is going to be missed and his influence on not just film not just comic book films but on me is going to be um, remembered for a very very long time Hopping over to TV news, because I am wonderful at Segways. <laughs> we have two pieces of TV news here. First off, we got the first trailer for The Witcher Season 2, which is dropping in December. And the trailer looks good. It's going to be a lot of us kind of catching up with our leads from last season and really getting into what is gonna happen with them next uh henry cavill is back in his scowling in his scowling ways there was no no new rendition of toss a coin Dear witcher which i'm sure they are holding on and saving there was no like um advertising for that when the first season came out so i'm assuming they're holding on to some kind of some jam that we're all going to be obsessed with once that show drops but it looks good looks really really good and then we finally got a full trailer as well as a premiere date for marvel's what if animated series uh this is as you know. The MCU animated series that features Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher as we look at how the MCU's history could have changed if one or two things uh, were different. So we have an episode where Peggy Carter gets the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve. We have an episode with Marvel Zombies. We have an episode where uh, Black Panther is Star-Lord in the very final piece of MCU work that Chadwick Boseman ever did. So I'm gonna cry when I watch that I'm just going to but I'm very excited about this I'm excited to see how they explore these stories especially because their premiere date is August 11th which is a day before my birthday so that'll be fun to watch really really looking forward to that Um, as we know all Disney plus especially Marvel stuff going forward is going to be on Wednesdays so we'll get the Uh, series premiere on august 11th and then every wednesday after that until the series has run its course we will be getting new episodes hopping over finally to comic book news lots of comic book news this week i was really surprised about and it's all dc news um First off, October is going to be a gigantic month, but before we dive into all of the stuff happening in October, I want to do a quick piece about what's happening the very next month in November. On November 2nd, we are going to get issue number one of a brand new 12-issue maxi series by Tom King and Greg Smallwood entitled The Human Target. If you're not familiar with this character, he is essentially what his deal is. He disguises himself as other people who are under threat of assassination so that he can basically be like a bodyguard slash decoy very very old school character deep deep cut as you know with uh tom king and all of his choices when it comes to characters he wants to write about that aren't batman um i'm very excited about this the art by greg smallwood is stellar as always i'm a huge greg smallwood fan and you know how much i like tom king and this 12 issue maxi series really is you know tom king's sweet spot that's where he works the best at strange adventures um Mr. Miracle, one of my favorite comics of all time. Everything that's in that kind of realm, he excels at. So I'm very excited to see what they do with this. Uh, it is going to be, as I said, a 12 issue maxi series, which has been uh, described as a detective noir, which I'm totally into. And it is bringing back the JLI, the Justice League International. We're talking the original, the Giffen Run, the Giffen and. Um, JD uh, de Matthias run very excited about that and we get to see Tom King write Mr. Miracle again but in different contexts so that's going to be fun I'm very excited about this this is going to be dropping its first issue on November 2nd but let's dive into all of the stuff that's happening in October because there was a lot that was announced I'm going to get the thing I'm not excited about out of the way so I can talk about stuff I am excited about we got the announcement that to coincide with part two of its animated adaptation adaptation releasing the same month, uh, Long Halloween is getting a sequel, a Long Halloween uh, special. It's going to be, I'm assuming, like a giant size one-shot. Uh, it's going to be dropping in October, written by Jeff Loeb and art by Tim Sale, and I struggle with this because I loved Tim Sale's art, I love that world of Batman, I love The Long Halloween as a story, but Jeff Loeb is a garbage human being, so I can't be excited about this and that's what is really frustrating. Um and I just I don't know what DC is aiming for. Like I get that they want to bank on the renewed interest in Long Halloween, but like you have to know the optics of this, man. Like you have to understand that, right? Right? Like bringing back Jeff Loeb after everything that's been said about him and just what a piece of garbage person he is, it's really frustrating to see DC make this choice. So unfortunately, that is coming out. I won't be buying it. And, um... I don't think you should either. Make your own decisions. Of course, I'm not telling you what you should or should not be doing, but I think we need to we need to send DC a message that shit like this isn't okay. So that is my soapbox. I will now dive into the stuff that I am actually excited about because October is a huge month for new comics for DC. Uh, first off, we are getting an awesome sounding uh, four-issue prestige miniseries by Cliff Chang of Paper Girls fame Uh, he is doing Catwoman Lonely City which is going to be dropping in October and as I said it is a four-issue prestige miniseries under the black label Label, uh, and the story is bas- Story actually sounds interesting. Like, I mean, of course, we want more stories with other characters that aren't bad adjacent. But, I mean, it's Catwoman, and Catwoman's cool. And basically, this story is apparently. Ten years following the deaths of Batman, Joker, Jim Gordon, and Nightwing. Selina Kyle is released from a lengthy prison stay and comes back to Gotham to see how much the city has changed. So that sounds cool. It's going to be focused on her. No Bat family, no Joker to muddy that up. Fingers crossed. Uh, Sounds interesting. And, of course, it's Cliff Chang. Cliff Chang's amazing, and I cannot wait to see what he does with with this character. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, We also have a bunch of... um, a bunch of exciting comics to be excited about. Uh, we talked about last week how we are getting two brand new Aquaman-adjacent comics. And now, it looks like October is going to be an embarrassment of riches for Aquaman fans because we are getting a seven-issue miniseries entitled Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target. Written by Brandon Thomas with art by Ronan Cliquette and Ulysses Ariola. I hope I said that correctly. If not, I apologize. But it's Aquaman and Green Arrow yay very excited about this Brandon Thomas is crushing it right now Uh, especially with I believe he was announced for both of the um for both of the other Aquaman books the um Jackson Hyde slash Calderon and the Black Manta books so It's a good time to be Brandon Thomas right now, so very excited about this, and more Green Arrow is always a good thing. Looks really good. I mean, Ronan Cliquette is a great artist, so I'm very, very excited about this. And finally, we got the announcement for two brand-new horror-themed DC comics coming in October to ring in the season. Uh, First, and they're both ridiculous. They're both ridiculous. So first off, we have DC versus Vampires by James Tynan IV and Matthew Rosenberg, who it looks like is here to stay with the DC Universe. And on art is Otto Schmidt. It looks like from the uh, solicits and from the cover that it's going to be Batman and Green Arrow going up against a secret army of zombies. And Otto Schmidt drawing Green Arrow once again alongside Batman now against vampires is going to be very fun Uh, this is going to reunite Matthew Rosenberg and Otto Schmidt the team behind Hawkeye Freefall so of course I'm going to be all over this it's dumb it's silly but it looks like it's going to be a fun time it's going to be a 12 issue maxi series taking us from October to October I guess but I am I am very interested in this. I'll be picking this up, if nothing else, for that gorgeous Otto Schmidt art. And then on the other side of things, we're not just getting vampires, we're getting zombies. Uh, Task Force Z, written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira, is going to be, essentially, it looks like Zombie Suicide Squad. Uh, Red Hood is leading a team. Red Hood is not a zombie. But it looks like this one's actually going to be in-universe. I don't think think that dc versus vampires is gonna be in universe because it said in the same vein as deceased which is an alternate universe of course um so i don't know i think this one might be in universe because it references a day it references that event where everyone basically died in arkham asylum and the characters that we have in here are all dead except for jason hood jason jesus christ jason hood jason todd red he he, that's his name jason hood jason hood is leading this ragtag team that includes the arkham knight bane manbat some person named sundowner who i definitely thought was katana until they didn't mention katana's name um and most excitingly My boy, Mr. Bloom. Super Heavy lives. Mr. Bloom is back. If you haven't read uh, Super Heavy, what is wrong with you? Um, I am interested in this. Uh, This is, I mean, it's Eddie Barrows' art. What do you want from me? Eddie Barrows always gets me to pick up a book. Uh, The synopsis for this one says on a day hundreds of gotham city's most dangerous and deranged criminals were left dead after an attack on arkham asylum and now they're getting a second chance at life a mysterious benefactor is bringing together a new task force and has recruited the only person who could lead them someone who knows what it's like to come back from a brutal death Jason Hood. That is his name now. Now Jason Hood has to unravel the mystery surrounding this team of the recently deceased while leading a lineup of some of Gotham City's worst criminals who've ever lived. Bane, Manbat, Arkham Knight, Sundowner, Mr. Bloom. Again, I have no concept for who Sundowner is. I believe they're an original character. Uh, The only thing that I could find when I looked up Sundowner was a Dark Horse comic, which I can almost guarantee is not the same thing. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this why they have zombies why we need zombies um i mean again it's it's october it's time for spooky stuff so matthew rosenberg is doing his thing with the alternate universe stuff and also all of the horror stuff so i'm excited i'm looking forward to picking this up we'll have to see if they're as good as deceased they called their shot by comparing them to deceased so we will just have to see But that is it for the news and speaking of comic books and comic book adaptations. That is going to roll us right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, which is part two of Captain America Month, where we count down the history of Captain America in cartoons, featuring special guest Scott Nicewander. When Captain America throws his mighty shield. All those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his pioneer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of Captain America Month! Very excited to dedicate this entire month of July to the Star Spangled Avenger. Last week for part one we did a special explain spotlight on Mark Waid and George Molina's Captain America Man Out of Time, the five-issue miniseries that I absolutely adore with my whole heart. And this week we are making a little divergence when it comes to uh, what we're covering with Captain America. We're Away from the comics and into the world of animation. Uh, we're going to be covering Captain America's kooky career in cartoons. And to discuss Captain America's history in the animated form, I wanted to uh, bring someone in who might have a thing or two to say about Captain America in cartoons. And I am incredibly excited to announce him and bring him onto the podcast for the the very first time. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Scott Nicewander. Scott, how are you?
1: I am doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be
0: so fun. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to kind of dive into this because... With the entire month uh, being dedicated to Cap, I really wanted to examine all facets of him Mm. in media, not just comics. And he's got a weird, weird relationship with cartoons. And I think you probably better than anybody know about that.
1: I know about exactly one sliver of of (laughs) Cap's history with cartoons. So I I just recently made a video on my YouTube uh, channel, NerdSync, about the Cap cartoon from the 1960s that was a part of the Marvel Superheroes. Uh, And that's superheroes as two separate words. (laughs) Um, And... That was such a fun show to dive into and experience, and it's so completely bonkers, and I, I'm excited to talk about that, as well as all these other places that Cap has popped up.
0: Yeah, man, and that, that cartoon, I think, is a as good a place to start as any. Uh, We'll be going through pretty much that through kind of the modern day when it comes to uh, his history, when it comes to cartoons. We'll be talking about kind of the basic premise of whenever he popped up and also talking about the voice actors. We're going to get into everything that you need to know. So, I think we'll just go ahead and dive into it. Well, first, before we do that, I want to ask you, because I I asked this question to all the guests in the previous themed month we did, when we did X-May. Uh, how were you hmm. introduced to Captain America?
1: And do you have a favorite uh, Captain America comic? So I think the, the first time I was introduced to Captain America, one of the big stories that I first read, the big comic book stories that I first read as uh, growing up was, uh, Marvel secret wars. And, uh, I believe Captain America was a part of that. And and I don't remember too, too much about it, but then that got me to want to dive into these other big Marvel stories. And obviously like another gigantic one is, uh, the infinity gauntlet. And so the moment that I think pretty much everyone who's read the infinity gauntlet remembers, uh, with captain America is when it's just him and Thanos and they are, you know, just walking slowly towards each other face to face to face, uh, as cap doesn't really know what to do next, how to fight this, this mad Titan. And, uh, I just thought that was such a incredible moment to show cap's character of, Never giving up, even in the face of like literally everyone else is dead and gone and destroyed, and it's just me, a super soldier in a spangly outfit, versus this all powerful purple alien. And even still, he was like, Well, gotta do what I gotta do, I guess. (laughs) And uh, I just thought that was so good. Uh, so that that is that image in that scene has always been has always been burned in my mind as for my favorite cap story that is hmm i is it cliche to say that i really like the winter soldier comic like, i don't it's, think so okay
0: it's i a think good it's comic. really
1: good i think it's really good i think it's really well done um I think – I mean, especially when you when you compare it – like, the first time I read it was when the uh, movie was coming out, Captain America Winter mm. Soldier. And I really liked how the, the comic and the movie played the reveal of Bucky in, in different ways where in the comic they almost Im- – I think they, like, immediately tell you that, like, hey, this, the, this Winter Soldier, it's Bucky versus in the movie where it's, you know, it's a twist reveal for Steve. Uh, Steve knows like the the pretty much the whole time I think throughout the Winter Soldier I could be wrong it's been a while since I read it but I think that's how it played out and I like that idea just because instead of Cap fighting you know this this villain and then suddenly it's Bucky like Cap has to to struggle with that for the entirety of, of this whole dealing with the the winter soldier. So I don't know. I, I think that it's just an, it was just a really interesting comic and I, I thought it was really good. I've, I'm also just like, I'm a big fan of even older comics. Um, you know, I like all the goofy cap stories from the silver age and, and even before then, you know, cap was one of the first Marvel heroes to pop up in the forties and is still around today. So all of that stuff is very, very very fun. I like all of it. Um so yeah, I don't know. I'm just a good, I'm a big fan. I like I like comic books.
0: <laughs> I think I think you're in uh you're in good company there with this podcast. Um yeah. but yeah, like it's Cap is so funny cuz like I feel like there's a large contingency of people who had no idea like mm-hmm. what he was about until of course like the MCU and all that mainstream attention and everything. But like he's got solid comics and he's got solid cartoons even if they are very much of their time (laughs) um and speaking of of their time uh starting off with what you mentioned before the marvel superheroes is where we're going to start our timeline here um 1960 i believe it was 66 uh the cartoon ran from september to december very uh very concise yes. from September to December of 1966. I think you said in your most recent video. By the time that this comes out, just for context for uh, for our listeners, I do love um, context. You yeah. sure do. <laughs> you. Um, Scott will have dropped not just the episode, uh, not just a video about Cap's old co- uh, old cartoon, but also Thor's. And in that, I think you mentioned that they were like. Basically, five episodes a week for like yes. a month and a or like ninety days, and then it was like done and that's yeah. wild to me,
1: so something that i and I keep trying to figure out a way to work all this in all this information in without overwhelming the the origin of of these cartoons but i I haven't really worked it into either of these videos yet but that's okay i got like three more to do um these cartoons played every single day of the week and every every weekday i should say weekends they didn't play anything but every weekday and every hero was assigned a weekday so i believe it was captain america monday uh iron man tuesday hulk wednesday Thor Thursday and Namor Friday. I think that's how it went. That might be. I might have Hulk and Iron Man switched around, but I'm pretty sure that was it. So every every day of the week would be a different hero, and they ran 13 episodes per each uh, for each hero uh, for 90 days total. So 65 episodes in the span of 90 days, and then that was it and was, they didn't have any follow-up ones um they had they had a spider-man cartoon in the uh, in 1967 um he was originally going to be slated for this series as well the marvel superheroes but they were like spider-man's too big he should get his own show and they were right <laughs> but uh but they all these other heroes like yeah it started off and obviously if you're Starting on a Monday, that means the very first one of these cartoons to ever premiere was Captain America.
0: Yeah, and it's I I love the fact that Thor was on Thursday. I mean, it it only feels right. <laughs> and then having Namor for Fish Fridays, like I, it's oh yeah,
1: classic. I mean, Hulk Hump Days if yeah. he was on a Wednesday, you know, <laughs> um, Tony Tuesdays for <laughs> for Iron Man. That's yeah. I mean,
0: I think we cracked the code here. It's I think it's we dumb. did it. <laughs> so in this uh, in this show Captain America was voiced by Sandy Becker and Sandy Becker I doing the research for this was kind of wild he was a children's uh, children's... Program host mm-hmm. like he did children's shows um he ba- he was basically like a local version of mr rogers where oh, he was awesome. like, yeah right and one thing that i thought was incredible was that his uh his show was one of the first broadcast um programs on tv that went on air live right after the assassination of jfk and so oh he gosh. had to kind of explain to the kids, like, what was going on.
1: Mm. And that's
0: wild. It's just, I can't even picture being
1: put in that situation. Yeah. I it's, mean, ugh. I can't imagine what they originally had planned that day, but I'm <laughs> sure that was thrown out the window entirely. <laughs> It's like uh, I really want to do an episode about chalk drawings, but I feel like this might be more important. <laughs> there might be a slightly more pressing matter at hand to your kids. But yeah, oh, no, Sandy that's, Becker—that's fascinating. Yeah, I never knew that about Sandy Becker. And what's interesting about about uh, him specifically playing Captain America is that uh, him, as well with uh, Carl Bannas, who played uh, Bucky Barnes. I don't think they played any (laughs) other character throughout these cartoons. Whereas a lot of these other voice actors like Chris Wiggins played Thor, but he also played Hawkeye and a whole bunch of, you know, like all these other actors who are these main big Marvel superheroes on these other segments of this cartoon uh, played, you know, played multiple roles except for Sandy Becker and, and Bucky Barnes. So like Captain America, the voice of Captain America was only ever captain america and i i wonder if that was intentional or if if you know they couldn't get him for anything else or he didn't want to do it but i I like the idea that it's you know like you can't when you find that perfect actor it's like no this is this is captain america and we can't we can't replace you know we, we can't have this person do anything else because they are the voice of captain america i don't know yeah, I, I kind of like
0: this idea of, like, this children's program host, big-leaguing Marvel, and being yeah. like, look, I'm too big to do incidental voices. Like, I'm right. Captain America or
1: bust. That's it. I'm <laughs> Captain America. I, I'll tell you what. I'll play a second character whose name is Steve Rogers, and that's it. And those are the two characters that I will play. And I will be paid for those separately. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Sandy Becker rolls.
0: <laughs> So um, a lot of just like the um, just like the other cartoons or the other segments in this program, they focused a lot on his early cartoon or of his early comics of the time. So yes. his origin, dealing with Zemo, joining the Avengers, and also and I absolutely love this. Uh, several episodes were devoted to Cap's Kooky Quartet, which is my yes. favorite Avengers team because they're so dumb uh i really are (laughs) i i love it though and it's just it's this i love the idea of this scrappy avengers team where like all the big leaguers leave and you've just got captain america hawkeye scarlet witch and quicksilver all Mm. of which who have been villains at this point alongside Mm -hmm. old man steve rogers being like this is a team i can make this work
1: it's so funny because like in my video, those were the episodes I skipped over because they were incredibly uh, repetitive where they just, it was just, there was a villain attacking and the heroes never got along. So they fought with each other. They fought like with each other as in amongst each other. uh, But then at the end they fought with each other as in beside each other. So it's like, you know, (laughs) it's, it's the same story for like three or four episodes, but it's still, uh, it's still a really good dynamic, especially at the time. I feel like Cap's, uh, Cap is big on the whole rehabilitation and and wanting to prove that these uh, these villains can can turn out to be heroes. And I mean, I think if we look at f- where this I- or idea was originated to where we are now, like you know, clearly, clearly, Mamma's on to something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, and like what I what I kind of love and what's uh,
0: Uh, I think fascinating about going back and watching these shows is you could almost make an argument that these were the first motion comics because they, they took directly from the comics and just like did the absolute
1: least amount of work to animate them. (laughs) That's something that we didn't really talk about. So if you've not seen these cartoons, uh, they're from the, they're from the sixties as, as we said, but They didn't uh, animate them the way that you would think, like, if you look at something today, like a modern uh, superhero cartoon show, like Invincible or something, um, where it's all just, you know, created kind of from scratch. These were taken directly from panels in the comics and loosely animated like moving someone's arm here and there um lots of cartwheels lots of cartwheels cap was always doing cartwheels it was the (laughs) best way to animate him moving around the screen uh there it's so it's very it's very loosely done it's very cheaply done and uh you know there are there's archival footage of stan lee trying at the time trying to convince everyone that this was the best way to present Marvel comics because you're taking direct images from the comics and creating this cartoon out of them and getting, you know, now the action feels even bigger and stronger because it's in motion. And sometimes that's okay. But other times, you know, Jack Kirby and Don Heck and all these comic book artists were creating art specifically for the comic book page. And if you try to animate them, it might look a little goofy. (laughs) And so that's exactly what happens in these shows. They look real goofy sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um I think you mentioned in the cap video that like when whenever they show Zemo, there's like one shot of him like shaking his fist that they use like yes. five or six times. Yes. And then like talking about that, that segment um in that in the Thor video about Stan Lee trying to convince people. I had to go. I had to rewind that part of the video because I didn't believe that that was Stan Lee. It yeah. looks nothing like him.
1: If he didn't introduce himself as Stan Lee at the start, you would you would think it's like an alternate version reality, you know, like it because <laughs> yeah. it's it's Stan <laughs> that's, Lee that's without a mustache. Stan. Yeah, it's Stanley without a mustache and without glasses, and his so hair's
0: like slicked back. His like. Hair's,
1: yeah, his he's like he has less hair than in in that in those that video than he did like in in the more modern times so it just looks really off but it's him sure enough it's the man trying to (laughs) tell everyone and and you know obviously the the reason the real reason why they chose to animate these shows this way is because it was very cheap to do because they already had all of the images to do uh to to use and, and to turn them into cartoons and The animation studio who made these uh, Grand Trey Lawrence animations, I believe, they uh, never really worked on anything else. They were not a a super uh, well-known studio, so they basically made an incredible sweetheart deal with Marvel to be like, hey, we want to basically make almost all of the money off of... We want to take almost all the profit, and you will do all the work, and... (laughs) And you'll agree to this because you desperately want your heroes to be in show business, and Stan, you know, Stan really wanted to break into uh, show business more than anything else. So he was like, "Absolutely, let's do it." So that's the kind yeah. of the history behind these cartoons and why they are the way they are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I would, I would definitely recommend going and checking them out for yourself. I actually, I don't know where this is from, but I have a VHS of that cap of that cap cartoon it's like the first three episodes i think and it's like it's incredibly old and i like every time like i'm moving stuff around in like my my nerd corner i have to like grab it so gingerly because i feel like the second (laughs) i like grab it too rough for two seconds it'll like just turn to dust
1: right yeah i mean you get you're holding a piece of history right there yeah man but uh so that's
0: that's pretty much the 1966 cartoon. Um, I would absolutely, if you want to learn more about it, Scott did an incredible video dedicated Thank to you. that, um, as well as more videos that are coming for the other cartoons. The Thor video has just dropped as of this recording. Yes. And um, it is just as wild with Thor <laughs> and his bare thighs, yes. Loki just being the worst constantly
1: yep. and nobody watching him. He, no
0: one watches him. It's there's no it's...
1: accountability on Asgard.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess if, if there was, we wouldn't really have a, have a whole story for Loki.
1: That but is true. Yeah. No, these are, these are very fun cartoons. They are almost, ex, almost exactly verbatim. At the stories from the comic books. So uh, if you're interested in, in, Like you were saying, they're basically motion comics, so if you're interested in reading or or engaging with some of the older classic versions of Captain America and Thor and Iron Man and Hulk, but uh, maybe uh, you don't have those comics available to you or any way to engage in them... Um, not that these dvd not that these dvds are any easier to find for me personally (laughs) but if you're in the uk apparently they're everywhere so go go look up one of these and you basically have a motion comic fully voice acted uh for these older classic comics and i think they're a fantastic piece of of weird almost lost media they're lost (laughs) to me they're not lost (laughs) to anyone else in the uk apparently
0: and we we do have some of the UK listeners, so I will put the challenge out to them to go out and find these.
1: Please send me all of these cartoons so I can I can analyze them. They're so fun. Send them to Scott. But um, <laughs> so that you know brings us about thirty,
0: almost thirty. No, actually, yes, thirty years later, Cap wouldn't show up in a an animated form for of a very long time until Mm. we got the original marvel slash saban slash fox animated universe yes in the uh mid early to mid 90s we got cartoons like x-men spider-man fantastic four and it goes downhill from there and (laughs) the most prominent uh of those shows did feature Captain America in supporting roles. Yes. I first popped up in X-Men, the animated series in the uh, final episode or final season episode, old soldiers that was released on uh, February 22nd, 1997. And if you haven't, uh, if you haven't yet, we did a whole uh, episode on, uh, on the X-Men animated series with Josh from the panels to pixels, YouTube channel, where we ranked our favorite episodes from there and this was on my list because I love Cap and you shouldn't be surprised about this. Yes. But um yeah, it's it's a hell of an episode and it shows the uh the past. It's mostly told in flashback narrated by Wolverine and it goes over this uh espionage mission that he and Cap undertook in uh, Nazi occupied France. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's fascinating. Yeah, I've always loved the pairing of Captain America and Wolverine because yeah. these are these are two characters who are um, like Cap was obviously like displaced from his time via being frozen, whereas Wolverine sort of lived through through all of it. But it's it's people with old. Old souls, I guess, um, <laughs> who are – yeah, I mean, as the title suggests, they're they're old soldiers. And I like this pairing, especially when you get into, like, the really deep lore of Marvel comics and you realize, like, the whole reason why Captain America was even created in the first place was because they were testing out uh, these – you know, the super soldier serum was supposed to be a way – for humans to help fight against mutant threats. So like everything is always ties back to both like mutants and Captain America. And so when you get the pairing of exact of of a mutant, probably the most popular mutant and Captain America together, it just feels like a, a classic pairing of, of Marvel goodness. And you can tell a very tragic stories there. You can tell very fun stories there. So I, I just like these two together.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And like having their different perspectives is really cool. But just like in a later show, uh, X Men Evolution, this is more wolverine's perspective on Mm. cap and it's not really uh which is also a fantastic episode project rebirth from x-men evolution underrated show Uh, (laughs) i love
1: x-men evolution it's so good
0: uh but it's it's interesting that a lot of captain america in cartoons is from other people's perspectives and it's just like they it's all like deifying him and making sure that like everyone knows like, hey man, Captain America, he was he was the bee's knees. He really was. And like it's it's fascinating when you actually like bring the character in for any like extended amount of time, which Spider Man the Animated Series did. They had him for two different arcs in their final season. Apparently when you're getting ready for your final season, you just throw Captain America in there. That I guess.
1: is the rule. That is That's the, the rule. rule. You gotta do that. 100%. So I'm, I'm
0: really excited for the final season of Castlevania to have Captain America
1: for some reason. <laughs> it's it's that, the rule. Well, the, the weirdest one to me was Gilmore Girls' final season. Yeah. They threw Cap in there. And It was such a bold choice, but I think it really paid off because like, you know, with Rory's whole story, like, oh, will she with Logan or not? And then you throw Captain America in here, and it's got a whole, it, you know, it just, it just adds to the the flavor and the spice to it. So I thought it was a really interesting choice. And I'm glad um, that TV has the rule of always throwing in Captain America in the final season. I'm pretty sure he socked Jesse on the jaw, too, in, in one of those episodes. That is true. It really put him on the straight and narrow. So that was pretty pretty helpful for that character. <laughs> so um in this
0: in this final season for spider-man the animated series he first made uh some appearances in the six forgotten warriors saga uh Mm -hmm. from september to october of 97 a full i just i'm still wrapping my head around this a full 30 years after that cartoon initially from marvel superheroes it's wild
1: nothing there was such a dry spell yeah (laughs) unbelievable i didn't even realize it was that long until you put these numbers on i I was gonna say paper but i didn't either yeah like it's it's wild and it's kind of i mean i guess
0: it's fitting for cap to spend you know 30 years on ice and pop back up
1: very very true very good (laughs) observation
0: But this uh, this whole Six Forgotten Warriors saga was centered around the idea of there was a team, a super team back in World War II. They weren't called the Invaders. They weren't called the All Winners Squad. They were mm. the Six American Warriors.
1: <laughs> Interesting. American War American Ninja Warriors.
0: It's the Six American Ninja Warriors. <laughs> they all made sure that they could run up the warped wall before they could go into active battlefields. Yeah. Um. It's I. <laughs> American Ninja Warrior really has its place in history, and I'm proud. It sure
1: does. Proud to be an American you, Ninja Warriors. <laughs> it's you know it's funny how how often I forget the team name of Invaders, and I'm like, no wonder they don't use that anymore. That does not sound like Avengers. Sounds like you're like at least you know going to a, a attack. Villains because they wronged you first. Invaders (laughs) is like we are going to just immediately try and take (laughs) over anyone just because we want to. We're invaders. That's our job. That's our name. Though I I guess
0: that is the most American of the superhero names. In in
1: real life, Captain America (laughs) would want to be on the Invaders team for sure. i do love the all winner squad i think that's incredibly golden age cheese and i love that so
0: much but these guys are called the six american ninja war no it's six american (laughs) warriors you got me no ninjas no ninjas involved (laughs) no ninjas involved though they do have the wizard which i (laughs) i always love when he's included he is a man who got bit by a mongoose and was turned into a speedster. And that is his deal.
1: And they, for some reason, chose the name Wizzer.
0: <laughs> because he whizzes. He whizzes I suppose. by,
1: I suppose. <laughs> yeah. What is up with speedster characters having, like, not even even Flash was always weird to me because Flash feels like, I don't know, I just feel
0: it, it like... It feels a little, you know, guy in a trench
1: coat outside of an outlet mall. It sure does. We're getting off track. I'm sorry. My <laughs> mind is going all over the place. Let's talk about the six American warriors. Yeah. <laughs> no, you are...
0: It, I, I think it's dangerous having us together because they do the same thing. <laughs> but... Um, obviously but (laughs) so this six american warriors is five kind of schmucks and captain america and basically captain america was fighting red skull during the end of the war and red skull had this like weird like extra dimensional portal thing that he was using and Mm -hmm. cap like tackled him into it and he disappeared and that was how they explained that he was gone and so oh. spider-man is uncovering this it was very top secret um and he you know in the final part of this i feel i think it was like five or six uh episode arc he pops back in for a second and he's like i'm captain america i'm here And and by the way he was voiced by david hater of uh, Metal gear solid fame which i oh, nice. find hilarious <laughs> Um, i just i want an entire captain america game with otacon just giving me info
1: yes that'd be fun (laughs) (laughs) so
0: he's uh he basically pops in he's like i'm captain america spider-man's like whoa captain america and then he tackles red skull back into the machine and they're gone and so that's that's his initial uh involvement nothing really that special But then we do get the three-episode Secret Wars saga that was in November, basically the next month, and this was the animated adaptation of the comic that Scott mentioned earlier, bringing together all of these superheroes to fight all of these villains, and um, it's it's just it's amazing cartoons. Like they, what a good story. And they brought in Storm. Of all the X Men, they brought yes. in they brought in Storm, the correct choice. <laughs> Just I at that point the villains are like, okay, what do we have? Like the lizard? Alright, we're we're having troubles here.
1: Yeah. I mean, you bring in Storm Storm versus the lizard. You know what happens when a lizard gets <laughs> struck by lightning? <laughs> Don't you do it? same thing that happens to everything else (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh my god but yeah so this is it's a fun crossover because like uh, spider-man basically brings in cap uh storm the entire fantastic four and iron man and like immediately everyone starts fighting each other which is just great And eventually, once this is all solved, Cap leads them to victory, and we continue on with the Beyonder, and then the final, I want to say, two-part episode, which is the first uh, instance of Spider-Verse. But that uh, that was his extent of cartoons in the 90s, but it wasn't supposed to be. There was originally going to be a Captain America cartoon in the late 1990s that was supposed to be essentially his first solo cartoon if you don't count the you know the segments
1: from marvel superheroes yeah. technicalities yeah. all over the place absolutely i mean those are all grouped together as one cartoon in my opinion right?
0: that's that's what i
1: thought yeah but so so uh, an official late 90s captain america cartoon this is the 1st time hearing of this so i'm very interested tell me all about it
0: yeah, there's not like there's not a whole lot of info to be found about it, which is unfortunate because I don't think it got that far. But it mm. was developed by Will and Joe, and I'm going to mispronounce this, Moon Yo, alongside uh, Dave Simons and Steve Englehart, oh. a renowned comics writer, actually uh, wrote several episodes, including one called Skullhenge.
1: Oh, I where... like that.
0: Yeah, where the Red Skull was going to turn Stonehenge into a giant swastika.
1: Oh, never mind. I don't like it. Oh, I spoke too soon. (laughs) Oh, no. I just thought the name was fun. Oh, no. The name is rad.
0: But um, Fox censors, of course, were like, you can't do that.
1: Yeah. And
0: so um, he rewrote it to basically be about the Red Skull uh, claiming the throne of England and crowning himself king instead.
1: That sounds good. That feels like something, yeah. I that I don't know if that feels more like Red Skull or if that feels more like Zemo to me. That feels Either almost one. like a Zemo plot. But maybe, I maybe like he
0: wanted it. a crown to match Zemo's.
1: Yeah, they can be. Mo- we got the masked monarch and the red monarch. I guess I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, so this this show was going to be bonkers. Like, the, it was going to be entirely set in World War II Europe. Mm-hmm. However, they were going to be fighting Hydra. No mentions of Nazis. They sure. were not fighting Nazis. They're just... They weren't. They were... Just like in the World War II appearances, they had all the makings and the markings and the uniforms, but just yes. no swastikas present.
1: Yeah, And, that's... and the thing... So, yeah, and that's something that that even happened is in the 1960s cartoon. Is right. again they pulled straight from these comics, and at the time the comics definitely had very clear references to Nazis and even Hitler, because um, you know Captain America punches Hitler. That's kind of like the big, big first debut <laughs> it's of his him. Thing. Yeah, it's his thing. He loves doing it. He can't get enough of it. And. Uh, in the cartoon, when they took the exact panels and, and animated them, they took out all of that imagery. Uh, so it does not surprise me that 30 years later, they would be like, yeah, let's, uh, let's, keep, it, let's keep it on the same thing. Fictional bad guys. Fictional yeah. bad guys. Unnamed fictional bad guys. Right.
0: Um, and the thing that was kind of wild to me about this is that Captain America was actually going to be named Tommy Tompkins.
1: Oh no. His
0: his real name was Tommy Tompkins, and Steve Rogers is an alias that the U.S. government gives to him.
1: Oh, I don't like that.
0: I don't either. I mean, they're keeping up alliteration rules with comic books, which is fine, but I can't get behind a Tommy Tompkins Captain America.
1: (laughs) That feels the alliteration thing. (laughs) I think you're onto something there, because Captain America is one of the most popular classic Marvel characters that Stan Lee had nothing to do with. And so when when you're like, how can we create a modern one? You're like, oh well let's Stan Leeify him by giving him an, an alliterative name, like a Peter Parker. Or uh, a Reed Richards, or Susan Storm, you know, like Tommy Tompkins, a Bucky Tompkins, Barnes, a Bucky yeah. Barnes. Uh, yeah, Tommy <laughs> Tompkins. Like, oh, come
0: can you on. imagine? They're just like <laughs> I. I can so clearly picture in my mind. It's like it's Bucky and Tommy out, and uh, just out and about causing shenanigans for I the Third Reich. Like I,
1: the only adult man who sh- is allowed to be called Tommy is. The Tommy from Power Rangers, I feel.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Oh, wait. Yes. Also, Tom... No, actually, you know what? I'm going to commit. I, I already said <laughs> no, so, you're Tommy. Not. Thomas <laughs> Lee Jones. Thomas Lee that Jones. Thomas Lee Jones. That makes him
0: sound even older than he actually
1: is. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> Get out of here, Thomas. Mm-mm. It's all about Green Ranger Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, so he was going to be named Tommy Tompkins... Um, Bucky was going to be part of this. Uh, Baron Strucker was going to be a recurring villain in the show. And they actually got to the point where they had animated a sizzle reel, which you can find on YouTube. It is um, exactly what you expect it to be. Lots of patriotic horn music, of shots course. of tanks, and all that CGI glory that they were starting to use at the end of... Uh, 90s Marvel cartoons, Mm -hmm. and just it looks exactly like it would have been. But unfortunately, due to Marvel's money troubles, the show was canceled before it was uh, even Mm. first animated or voice acted, which is a
1: shame. That is, it's it's interesting because it my mind when when you're talking about like cartoons. I don't really connect, I don't know, maybe you get this too, but it's so, when I'm talking about like different types of media or different things from a history, it's so hard for my brain to connect all of the context of everything without like making a a clear effort to do so. So like, for example, we're talking about like comics or we're talking about cartoons from the late nineties. And I'm just like, yeah, these cartoons are rad. I love them. And then you mentioned like Marvel's money troubles. And I was like, oh, yeah, wait, hold on. The 90s were a not a good time for Marvel. Oh, I forgot about that. Like, you look at their cartoon lineup and you see like X Men the animated series and Spider Man the animated series and all this good stuff that people remember fondly. And you're like, man, Marvel must have been killing it. They were not. They were not killing <laughs> yeah, it. They were not.
0: I just, lo- I like that. I. I- I can very clearly picture in my mind it's like it's literally a comic book panel of
1: you being like yeah man Marvel was killing it and then the caption box they were not they were not they absolutely were in in <laughs> terms of comics the the whole comic book industry was not doing great uh during, really, during the no. late 90s oh no and
0: it's funny because like thinking back on that like not knowing the context of everything like i can just clearly picture like me as this little kid watching spider-man and x-men and being like yeah man marvel comics and meanwhile the building's on fire exactly (laughs) stan lee is like running out like it's it's funny when you put everything into perspective and like link up a
1: timeline. It's kind of wild. It's, it's so fascinating. I, what I, what I will say about this show that I really enjoy actually is the idea that it would take place entirely during uh, like world war two or just in the past. Like it wouldn't be modern yeah. times. Right. I think that's such an interesting idea because I think with Captain America specifically, you can tell that when they brought him back in Marvel comics, in uh, into the future with uh, Avengers and whatnot, I, I don't know if it was Stan. It probably was Jack Kirby. Honestly, really missed telling those old Cap in the military stories. So there'd be a oh, lot of yeah. there'd be a lot of backup uh, issues where like the last three or four pages was like a small vignette of a <laughs> Cap story from from World War Two. And uh, actually, I feel like Jack Kirby did that for everything. Even Thor. Like, oh yeah, you'd bring Thor into the modern world with the Avengers. And, and, you know, but the last couple pages would be some cool adventure he had way in the distant past with all the, the warriors three and whatnot. Yeah. So I think Jack Kirby just really loved, uh, basically taking superheroes and being like, but what were they up to before the, before all the superhero stuff? Let's, let's figure all that out. And, uh I like the idea that this would tell a Captain America story set specifically in in that time period. It feels very true to how the character was like originally uh created.
0: Agreed. Yeah, and I think it would it would have opened up some really interesting um opportunities for like maybe we get a two episode arc where Wolverine shows up and they're yeah. like you know, you get that French um mission from his perspective. I was going like, to say
1: that same thing. That would actually be really interesting. Be rad.
0: Oh yeah. So, uh unfortunately, the show did not happen, which means we missed out on Tommy and Bucky adventures. It's it's unfortunate. But uh, we did get more uh, Captain America cartoon nonsense in the 2000s, where, as I said before, he popped up for a hot minute in the uh, Project Rebirth episode of X-Men Evolution. Uh, I don't have it in the notes, but he was also in the Superhero Squad show, voiced by Tom Kenny of SpongeBob fame. Oh, nice. And it's wild. He is, I mean, that show obviously made for a very young audience, so it's all the characters distilled into their most like child-friendly form Mm -hmm. but he was basically the older brother character who's constantly like talking about well back in my day yeah and it's i love it (sighs) but the the ones that stuck with me were uh the ultimate avengers cartoons and they were two cartoon movies uh first one was just called ultimate avengers the movie and it uh, released on February 21st, 2006. And it was a very loose adaptation of The Ultimates by uh, Mark yes. Miller and Brian Hitch. In this iteration, he was played by Justin Gross. And essentially, the whole deal with this is that these are just like The Ultimates, except they're good people. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. So I, my history with The Ultimates and this this movie even specifically was I saw this movie before I read any of the ultimate comics Same. and this movie I was like oh yeah this is really fun like i i remember liking i've not seen it in gosh probably since it came out so i have no idea if it still holds up but at the time i was like oh this is really fun i want to read this i want to read the <laughs> comics where this came from and you go and read the ultimate The Ultimates comics, and just anything in the Ultimate Universe, probably except Spider Man. Spider Man's pretty good, but ever anything in the Ultimate Universe, and you're just like, oh, oh, oh no! This is oh no! Oh man! Oh, it's just that that
0: Scott Pilgrim moment where he's like, oh no! This is a nightmare.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, The cartoon, have you watched it recently?
0: I did. I watched, I couldn't find a copy of the second movie that came out, but the first movie I watched, and again, it's just like, it's basically the best versions of those characters. It's like, what if, you know, Captain America wasn't a raging raging nationalist? Like, he's just a good dude who just got, you know, dealt a bad hand.
1: Yeah. Ugh.
0: Man, and it's it's funny because they don't include some of the you know characters that pop up like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver don't appear, which if you have read the Ultimates is probably for the best. Yeah, honestly, um, fine, keep them. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone is, and Hawkeye unfortunately doesn't appear either. A lot of his stuff is kind of just given to Black Widow, uh, which is fine, and she she is almost offensively Russian in this in this movie um heavy thick russian accent um and it's it's funny because it is very much steve's story it starts off just like the ultimates did in the comics where it's steve on the battlefield he's fighting against these not Shitari, kind of Shitari. it's it's not even the same creatures as from the comic which is odd um but he goes off, he jumps onto this rocket, it explodes, he wakes up in modern day. And so we get the Tony Stark. There, there is one thing I do find really interesting about The Ultimates, is that they went with Tony Stark instead of having shrapnel in his chest, he has a brain tumor. Yeah. And I've I've always been fascinated with the idea of that, because that's something that is... I don't want to say like, oh, it's more believable than shrapnel in your chest, but like, it's it's something that you would run across more. And having a fantastical character deal with a very real world problem always fascinates me.
1: Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so this,
0: and it really just kind of focuses on two big beats from the comic. It's the Hulk rampage where. Um, where uh, the Avengers have to essentially, or the Ultimates have to fight against uh, the Hulk who's on a rampage and then the Chitauri invasion, but they kind of switch them around. So the Chitauri invasion happens, Hulk shows up, he fights, and then he goes crazy and the final battles against the Hulk. It's weird, mm-hmm. but it mostly holds up. It mostly holds up. And then the second movie, Ultimate Avengers 2 Rise of the Panther, which yes. was released later that year in August uh, four days before my birthday oh, nice. uh, was a pretty much a direct sequel to the previous film and was not about ultimates 2 which is all the better because <laughs> ultimates 2 is not great no uh, it's it's funny because like we 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 i think sometimes and just sometimes not uh we like to bag on the ultimates but really when you talk about the ultimates comic It really started out as strong as it could be and then just went incredibly downhill from there. Um, It's very much, again, like a lot of stuff, a comic of its time. Very much like pro-America. He even, you know, has a conversation with George Bush, which does not age well in any respect. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, it's... this, This movie thankfully focused more on like okay so the aliens from the first movie are back the you know the nazi that was revealed to be an alien is here and he's trying to invade wakanda because they've got stuff and you know the ultimates go they visit black panther there's a whole kerfuffle um uh hank and janet break up but not because of abuse thank god uh it's more just he's getting sick and she doesn't want to see him be sick
1: Mm. and
0: it or less, just wraps up with Hank dying, and then um, Cap and uh, Black Widow begin a relationship, and that's how the movie ends. <laughs> and so, and that's like, it. yeah, that was really for me when it comes to like in just the 2000s, that was kind of it. And I was, you know, as a Captain America fan, since I was a small boy, I had been itching for Captain America content. And by the time that, you know, this came around, I was getting into high school and then we get to the 2010s where we get yes the best yes. out of the Marvel animation. It is the best of
1: us. It is of course, Avengers earth's mightiest heroes. Yes. I now help me out here because they, yes. there was, there was earth's mightiest heroes and Avengers assemble. And I remember one of them being good and one of them being okay is cuz one of them had hulk always be hulk all the time whereas the other one had hulk be bruce banner and have to deal with that you know that that dichotomy of of personalities which i always appreciate And it seemed a little bit more serious. Whereas the other one was a little bit more like, you know, kids and jokes and that's fine. But I remember one of them being like, Oh, this is good. And I don't think it lasted very long. Can you shed some light on which one was which for me? Yes. Well, if it, if you have fond memories of it, it's earth's mightiest
0: hero. I'll just put out a blanket statement there. (laughs) Um, this one debuted September 22nd, 2010 and ran all the way through until November 11th, 2012. Um, this cartoon was the best. I did an entire episode to celebrate its 10th anniversary back in September of last year. If you want more information on that, go check it out, listeners. It's one of my favorite episodes. Um, it's it's wonderful. I talk all about the show, my favorite episodes, the whole thing, as well as the, um, the pitches for season three, which never happened. But this yeah. cartoon is so... F- like draws so much from silver age and modern comics it's wild it's so freaking good this captain america was voiced by brian bloom brian bloom is a wonderful voice actor who has continued to play captain america since this in most video game stuff like most recently he did the voice for him in um uh what was it uh, ultimate alliance 3 black order on the switch nice um yeah that whole game was basically voice cast wise was just an earth heroes reunion oh It's that's all of the awesome. same voice actors and i love it super super good that that's... game has a lot of problems but the <laughs> voice cast is not one of them i've
1: not played that game but i i i do here's a fun fact about the original marvel ultimate alliance yes, video game is that uh, the original uh, voice of Bruce Banner was uh, Aaron Hansen from Game Grumps fame. Stop! Yeah. Really? Yes.
0: And oh because Bru- Bruce
1: isn't a playable, like you can play as Hulk, I think, but yeah, Bruce but you only you talk to him. Bruce you only interact with like a little bit. And I remember playing it a couple, like replaying it a couple years ago with my friends. Oh my God! And I was just like, Wow, that that voice sounds so familiar and I don't know why. And it's cause it's cause of that. It's cause of the little game grump man. That's wild. <laughs> I
0: wow. Um, my, I am thrown off. So, wow. <laughs> uh, no, that's super freaking cool, man. I, I love seeing stuff like that. I love seeing, like, people who I enjoy and who yeah. make good stuff succeed.
1: I, it's just, I just, the, the whole, like, voice acting community, especially with, like, video games and cartoons, all this stuff is yeah. so interesting, and I love, I mean, you know, I, I'm as I continue to dive into these, the, the older cartoons, I want to look more into the voice actors and give people credit where, where credit is due and see what they, what they've done with their career since then. And it's just, it's so interesting that when you, when you hear a voice in something and go like, Oh wait, I know that voice from somewhere else. (laughs) And it's just, I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole gig of voice acting. It's so exactly. It's so good. Uh, But yeah, so this, this cartoon feels like if I remember has a pretty dang good cast in it. Oh yeah, it's it's wonderful. It rules. This is and it was in
0: 2010, so it was before <coughs> everything was kind of set in stone as an MCU ripoff. Yes, um, Iron Man is still very much influenced by Robert Downey Jr., but he sounds nothing like him, which is great. And n- no disrespect to Robert Downey Jr., but I enjoy takes on the character that are not him.
1: Who's the guy who all, who seems to always play Iron Man, or at least had a really strong gig as Iron Man? Recently, um, Nolan North has gotten a lot of play with him. Who's the guy... Do you ever watch the show Heroes?
0: Yes. Uh, um, you're talking about Adrian Pazdar. Yes. He I love that show to death.
1: He played Iron Man for a real long time, and I always enjoyed his performances.
0: Yeah, I believe he was the voice of of um, of Iron Man in Avengers Assemble.
1: Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I think Avengers Assemble is probably... Fine. I just remember. It's... I just remember it came <laughs> off the heels of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and because mm-hmm. of that, I always saw it as a little bit of like a, oh, this isn't as good.
0: Oh, I was hella bitter because yeah. it was very clear that this cartoon was made just because of the success of the Avengers film, mm-hmm. and so they're like, oh, we got to get rid of this comic book show and make a show about the MCU, even though it's not technically MCU canon, right? And um, I'll, I'll just dip into that real quick so that I can get back, so that we can get back to talking about good stuff. Um, <laughs> that show ran from May 26th of 2013 to February 24th of 2019. Six years.
1: Real long and, time. And
0: real long time and cap was played by roger craig smith who is an incredible voice actor um he's done sonic for a lot of the games he did batman in arkham origins he is a wonderful voice actor he's very very good and he plays a hell of a steve rogers but this show was as scott mentioned is uh, heavily influenced by the mcu though it does get more comic-y over time they do get into stuff like um uh, Civil War and getting into secret Avengers and mm-hmm. like stuff like that, but it takes a while, and it's also connected to Ultimate Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hulk, and the other Spider-Man cartoon that is not great.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just remember coming coming to this from Earth's Mightiest Heroes and feeling like a real big letdown. I think the weirdest thing to me, and and I, I only watched a little bit of the first season, so maybe it changed a whole lot, but it just felt like it was. Much more leaning towards the the comedy side of things, um, yeah. which is which is totally fine. <clears throat> you know, people want different things with the with the shows they want. But I think the thing that threw me the most is that Hulk was just always Hulk, and I don't think he ever transformed into Bruce Banner. Like you're walking around, not once. You're walking around the uh, the Avengers uh, Tower, and Hulk is just walking through a hallway. Um, and and like you know carry like munching on food and just like snacks you know like it's like that's (laughs) and that's fine that's funny but as as someone who really really appreciates especially at the time i like really loved the depth of the character of Bruce Banner and Hulk and trying to reconcile between those, those two voices. It's just like, I don't know it, just being like, nope, Bruce Banner doesn't exist. It's just Hulk all the time. It just felt like, why would you do that to my boy? Why would you do that to this <laughs> character? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. And that's why back in uh, earth's mightiest heroes, you yeah, get, to, get see to see a lot of about. like, it, it does focus, you know, for the first few episodes on him, just being Hulk, which, Mirrors the original Avengers run where he was just Hulk that could speak sentences. But they do get to like, they have Bruce Banner, they have the dichotomy between the two of them, him getting locked up by General Ross. Like, it's really good. And the show did not shy away from some of the darker elements of these characters. Uh, For Cap specifically, he deals with trauma he deals with losing his friend uh we get some of his most famous stories in this show where you get his origin you get a winter soldier saga where it's actually like treated like this is a big deal yeah this is a big deal and you should care about this um bucky is also voiced i can't remember his name but he's voiced by the guy the same guy who uh scott Mm, something uh who voiced robin in the teen titans show which i absolutely love yes
1: oh, they're great fantastic
0: they're, it's fantastic and this cartoon also did secret empire before secret empire um by making by adapting the secret invasion comic that was going on at the time and having cat be the first hero that was abducted and replaced by a scroll And he goes off and he publicly makes an announcement that, you know, these are the Skrulls. And I, for one, welcome our new Skrull overlords. (laughs) And, like, even though Cap is able to escape captivity and he's able to fight people, For the entire rest of the season after that are like, oh, Captain America. Wasn't he the guy who gave us up to the Skrulls? And, like, you get to see the fallout of that and him dealing with, like, oh, people don't trust me anymore. I got to build that trust back
1: Yeah, there's (laughs) no, like, off-screen press conference where it's like, hey, actually, Captain America. That wasn't Captain America. uh, Complicated, just... But uh, everything's back Just to normal now. Everything's back to normal now. <laughs> Bye. You know, like I love, I love when stuff like that happens when there are repercussions and consequences for, for that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, man. And the episode that they do that, I think it's it's called. I think it's called Along Came a Spider. Is also the episode that introduces Spider Man into the show and you get to see these two characters one who had a really good reputation who got like completely tarnished and one who is still in the early days of j jonah jameson being like he's a menace you got these <laughs> two characters who are like escorting these civilians out of this collapsed tunnel and they're like we don't trust either of you and it's just it's a really fun episode with them together but uh this uh, the show also covered in its final episode the coming of Galactus. There's, this show is fantastic. It is absolutely wonderful, and it is a damn shame that it only got two seasons.
1: <sighs> so you're making me want to go watch it. I don't. It's uh, so good. Yeah, I I remember liking it, but at the I think I was in college at the time, so I didn't even have like a proper I didn't have TV or anything so I I was like trying to find some way to to very legally watch it on my school's very uh safeguarded internet so it was just very challenging and I never got to finish it but from what I watched I remember really really digging it and is it like is it do you think is it on like Disney Plus? That would be great. It is absolutely on Disney oh, Plus. Oh, thank goodness. Yes, the yeah.
0: the entire thing is there, both seasons. Kang is also a main fixture there. Oh, um, that's
1: I mean, they, that's going to pop up in the MCU he <laughs> he is, real, real soon, real soon. So And he and he has like a ven- in the show. He has a vendetta with Cap.
0: Where he's like, you're not supposed to be in this time. And Cap's like, you're not supposed to be here either. <laughs> yeah, double standard. standard. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Double stand. They
0: hate each other. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would absolutely recommend going and watching for the first time or re-watching the show. It's wonderful. Yeah. But- oh,
1: fantastic.
0: But that pretty much brings us up to the modern day. There is currently no Captain America car- or cartoon going on right now, which is unfortunate. Um, most of his animated stuff has been for uh, little things here and there, little um, made for uh, Disney Plus or stuff like animation like that. And we are still awaiting the first Captain America solo cartoon. Um, Scott, yeah. do you think we'll ever get there?
1: I, one. I hope so. I I love the idea of. Uh, I know that currently Marvel wants to make everything connected to like Disney wants to make everything connected to the MCU. So even things like What If, which is the cartoon series that they'll be doing, um, which will have I think I don't know if it will ever feature specifically Steve Rogers as Captain America. I know there's a, a Peggy Carter taking the Super Soldier Serum yeah. storyline, but. I think if, if they did take even just take that animation style if people really love it and it kicks off and just tell tell more stories there's so much that you can tell from you know in the very first Captain America movie with with Chris Evans you know they have a whole bunch of montages of him and the and the howling commandos just like busting so busting uh, up hydra you know networks and things and you could absolutely tell uh, a cartoon that's just like captain america and the howling commandos and it, it can still be tied in with the mcu if you want it to because i know that's what disney wants to do <laughs> and but you can still set it in the past so that it doesn't really have you know captain america's still around uh, obviously because yeah. he hasn't been frozen yet i think there's absolutely some good you know some absolutely good stuff that you can do there with with Bucky, uh, like with the Helen Commandos, as we said. Uh, all these cool, uh, even just Captain America's got some weird wonky villains you could even throw in there too. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of very, very cool stuff that you could do. Uh, Agreed. You could, even, you could even
0: take cues from shows like Legend of Korra or Clone Wars and kind of adapt that in. Like, I love the idea of, like, previously on Captain America, like, having, yes. like, that kind of, like, intro, I think would be awesome. And I think that that's something that I know, like, I would also, like, if they decided to be like, oh, there's going to be one season, they'll jump into the modern day. Then you can build out, you know, have Sam introduce the Winter Soldier, like, eventually go on to, like, maybe season three, Sam is Cap, or we, you know, yeah. deal with all
1: that stuff. I think it'd be really cool. I think I think it would be really cool and you could even frame it around this idea that that cap is because look here's the thing this is me all right hold on you ready for this hold on let's do this this is me pulling out an, an image that I forgot was even there in the MCU but Captain America in the very first Captain America movie draws himself as like a dancing monkey <laughs> yes he's a talented artist and that's never explored at all throughout the rest of the movies. (laughs) And so imagine if the framing device around this cartoon, again, we're just assuming that Disney's going to want it tied into the MCU, but Imagine if the framing device is the reason why these are cartoons. Is because it's basically Cap oh, drawing, stop. drawing oh, out the god. stories of his missions, and th- so because we've again we've oh. seen he's a talented artist. So what if after his missions he like draw up a little like oh yeah, and that happened and that happened. And, 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 oh my
0: god, I love that so uh, much.
1: That would be so fun. Dude, that would be rad. Hell yeah. Why did they make him such a good artist and then never explain, <laughs> never explore that? So I don't know. Like
0: that's, a, that's like a thing in the comics too. Like he is a very accomplished sketch artist and like, yeah, they mention it once. I think they like in a deleted scene for the, for the first Avengers movie, they show him sketching again and then never again.
1: That's right. Didn't Captain America have a job in Marvel comics to working at Marvel comics? I feel like he did. Yeah. Oh man. Let's, <laughs> let's make a Captain America show where it's all, it's a cartoon and the framing device is that it's just Captain America drew these cartoons about his missions. And I think that would be so fun.
0: I, I think, you know, just like the, uh, the Tony Tuesdays, we've cracked the code here. We That's don't, it. we've, We've unlocked
1: the secrets of the cosmic cube. We've done it. <laughs> Hire us. Hire us. Hire Disney. us now. I just <laughs> threw that idea out. In, I'm so what? How wasteful of me! I threw that idea <laughs> out into the out into the open. And I didn't even charge Disney any money for it.
0: Uh, actually, uh, trademark Scott Nicewander. Yeah. trademark Geek Explained podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, if
1: you work at Disney, you actually have to pay to acquire this podcast in order yes. to hear this idea. So, and
0: I welcome you to do that yeah, because so, I would love to make money. For the, for,
1: the, for the past five minutes, if you work at Disney, you might have just heard a, a, a long beeping tone and wondered what we were talking about. You can unlock the full version of this podcast.
0: <laughs> you just have to go to our Patreon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. You can, at, you can click the... on that very special Disney tier it is yeah, the, the contractual obligation tier. Mm-hmm. It's a couple hundred thousand dollars per month, but I think you'll really like it. And we'll send you a pin every six
0: months. <laughs> That's, That's <right>. great. <laughs> so um, <sighs> that pretty much wraps things up as we are kind of heading into the, uh, the end here. Do you have any final thoughts on Captain America and cartoons, any uh, specific favorites or anything that you, you know, Anything you just really dig about Cap and his cartoon appearances?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I obviously the the ones that are freshest in my mind, uh, kind of ironically, I guess, are the oldest ones. But those I, I like I like Captain America as a character a whole lot, much more than I did, I think, growing up. Um, I, I always thought very, very much like how people view Superman as this big blue Boy Scout, where it's like, oh, they just do the whatever. They're just always good, and there's no depth there. I think with Captain America, there's a ton of depth to explore, and I think the movies in the MCU have, have absolutely shown that. And I wish, I wish, hopefully someday we can get a, a Captain America forward cartoon because there's so much to explore. And I know that Chris Evans did such a spectacular job in that role that Disney would never want to put anyone else in that role, even in a cartoon form, probably. Um, Specifically talking about Steve Rogers' Captain America. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Captain America, the mantle, has has, uh, swapped over to Sam Wilson. But in terms of just talking about Steve Rogers, uh, I think there's... So much cool stuff to explore with that character that the MCU hasn't yet. and I wish and now they really can't because <laughs> caps cap's out of there. Um, <laughs> or Steve's out of there specifically. but so i I, I wish that there was a, a cartoon that focused around uh, around his his character. and it's it's surprising to me looking back over all these years and all these iterations of Captain America in cartoons that he still has not had a solo cartoon and ah, that's just baffling to me for such uh, for one of marvel's oldest characters and one that has stuck around for gosh almost a hundred years of captain america what's it up 80 years now yeah it's 80 years this this year 80 years captain america has been around uh, and there's still more stories to tell and i hope that just because everything has to be tied into the mcu these days i hope (laughs) i hope that doesn't deter anyone with a good idea at marvel and disney from from making cool stories with with steve rogers could not agree more um
0: it's you know i i believe we will get a cap cartoon someday i think it's gonna be great Um, I think if they really want to make money, they will take our idea Yes, and it's, it's, it's a license to print money. Marvel. It just really is. It
1: really Um, is. And you don't need, I mean, it would be cool if Chris Evans did the voice, but you don't need him. Oh, for sure it would. He's probably not gonna. Um, I mean, he could, he did the voice for the video game. Oh, did he? I didn't even know that.
0: Oh yeah, for the for the Captain America Super Soldier game that got released with uh,
1: First Avenger, he he went in there and he voiced it, and he did not phone that in. Oh, fantastic! What a sport. But I mean even 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 today cuz I'm sure he's like oh, I'm done with that role, you know, I want to move on. And that's totally fine. That's respectable. You don't need a Marvel. You can cast, You already cast a different I'm pretty like for the what if series, they didn't get Robert Downey Jr. to play Iron Man, right? They definitely did so not. So, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Hire someone else. Uh, as we've talked about so many cool talented voice actors in this episode alone that would absolutely cr- yeah. crush it in that role.
0: Absolutely they would. And as as a voice actor myself, I would love to see those opportunities come to new voices to jump into that realm. Yes. It would be super cool to see that happen. Absolutely. But um, I want to say a huge thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I had a blast and a half as I knew I would. Um, how, if our listeners want to connect with you, if they want to keep up to date with what you've got going on, how can they find
1: you? Oh, man, I'm doing so many things uh, on the internet. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was a super fun time. Uh, I will uh, I will gladly come back anytime you want to talk about more comics and superheroes. This was super fun. Yes, we got them. We got them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me, the. I guess the main way is uh, probably I have a YouTube channel called NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C, where I talk about comics and superheroes and other nerdy topics. And I use them to teach about real world history, philosophy, culture, and art and other cool things. Um, so if you're interested in that, go check it out. Go subscribe over there. Uh, I post... Just a couple times a month, really. But if you want more regular updates from me, follow me on Twitter at Scott Nicewander. Uh, it's a very complicated last name. Good luck.
0: <laughs> and yeah, honestly, uh, Scott and NerdSync hu- has been a huge influence on me. has been a huge influence on this channel, uh, on this channel, on this podcast, Um I owe a lot to, if you enjoy this podcast for any reason, a lot of that is owed to my influences and the people that I look up to when it comes to being able to talk about uh, comic books and being able to shout into the void about geeky stuff. And Scott was one of the pioneers when it comes to um, just being able to really be a super cool dude talking about super cool comics. Aww. So, um, That's, if you love that this means podcast, a lot. thank
1: you, you.
0: <laughs> absolutely, man. I I gushed about Scott off mic before we did this, but like genuinely an incredible creator and someone who absolutely has a passion not just for comic books, but for stuff that really gets to people's hearts and people's emotions so if you want genuine people doing genuine things scott is your guy so um that wraps up part two of captain america month and part three will be dropping next week scott once again thank you so much for joining me on this episode and for throwing your mighty shield
1: oh it was an absolute delight Uh, a, a total treat for me. So thank you for in, thank you for inviting me.
0: Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's such a local comic book shop and comicsology or however you pick up your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we gotta take a look back at last week's books with the Geek's playing pick of the week of last week. And for me, honestly, my pick was the good Asian number no. three. Just oh man. Um what what can I say about this book that hasn't already been said? It is consistently one of my favorite pickups each month. I love it to pieces the world that uh, Poinsacc Pachet showed has built alongside Alexandre Tefenki, just making some of the most. Ah, it just it makes me so excited because you know how much of a fan I am of that old school pulp crime detective thriller and having this different perspective coming from a Chinese American detective who has to deal with not just all of the stuff that you are used to detect detectives dealing with in these kind of um detective noir stories but also with all the racial tensions that were real world issues then and now it's just a fascinating read um i cannot recommend it enough it is wonderful but that's last week's books let's take a look at this week's books and this week we have 10 books once again for you to check out let's go ahead and dive into this list here kicking things off with action comics and manual number one uh this is written by philip kennedy johnson with art by sia ohm i hope i said that right and if i did not i apologize uh but this looks like it's going to be continuing on from the house of l future state book which i think i enjoyed but i was still like i didn't know how to feel about it um i'm hoping that this uh this second go around is a little bit more uh I guess, concrete, either whether it's good or bad. (laughs) So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Return of Future State's House of El. It's time to head back to tomorrow, as Superman's descendants face a threat from today. This special tale connects to war world rising as the actions of Clark Kent in the present reverberate, leaving long-lasting changes and a deadly threat for the House of El to reckon with. Can Brandon Kent, the Superman of his era, stop the danger from hurting the next generation? Also, for those wanting to know more about Brandon's relationship with Theanna, under the Tameranian queen prepare yourself for a little romance as well so i think that's great i'm hoping that with this more focused perspective rather than trying to cram in all of these new characters we'll get a little bit more info about this superman looking forward to picking this up for sure next up we have iron man number 10 this is written by christopher cantwell with art by kafu and i have been really enjoying this book um Christopher Cantwell is just killing it right now with the two main Avengers, Captain America and Iron Man. Um, If you haven't picked up United States of Captain America, go do so. It's great. But I am very, very excited to uh, continue on this strange odyssey that Iron Man is on. Tony Stark's in space, so nothing, nothing bad could possibly happen there, right? Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Tony has been suddenly and bizarrely marooned on an unknown remote planet. And his abandonment doesn't seem to be Korvac's doing at all. While his friends continue to pursue Korvac and his allies across the galaxy in a race to Galactus's worldship Ta Two, Tony must now figure out where he is and if the locals are friendly or dangerous. Especially since this small colony of fellow space drifters is run by a powerful old foe who might have reformed his ways. But at least for a moment, Tony has a chance to rest and to not only take talk of where he is, but also figure out how he got here in the first place and who he wants to be moving forward. So that sounds uh I mean that sounds cool to me. I I'm interested to see who this, you know, former uh former foe out in space could be lots of gears are turning we'll see who it is next up we have wonder woman number 775 this is written by uh becky clunan michael conrad and jordy belair with art by andy mcdonald and paulina ganusho i hope i said that right if not i apologize i'm bad at these <laughs> but this is continuing on wonder woman trying to figure out what's going on with the gods Gods are dead, gods are living, it's confusing. There are lots of questions and not a whole lot of answers right now, but I'm really enjoying the trip that they're going on. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Welcome to the graveyard of the gods, Wonder Woman. The keeper of the grounds anticipates your arrival. Many enter these hallowed grounds of the DCU, but none return to the world of the living. So how is Diana supposed to save herself, let alone a whole pantheon of gods? With her weapons rendered useless, she'll have to find the key to victory within. Plus, in a seemingly happier time, young Diana emerges from her readings just in time to discover that Cleo has been possessed by the very texts they wish to save. How could the pursuit of knowledge have something so twisted? Find out as our young hero battles for her life against her former teacher so this is the this is i think the second month in a row where they say plus in a seemingly happier time which kind of gives me pause to think that maybe these two stories aren't as disconnected as i thought but again still much more invested in the main story the the backup story is totally good um but just i don't know i i haven't connected with it just yet but next up we have american vampire 1976 number 10 this is written by scott snyder with art by Raphael albuquerque and i think this is it i think this is the conclusion i've said that since issue seven but i'm pretty sure this is the one um Kind of bringing the saga to a close, we've got lots of... Everything is coming to a head here, and they are facing down the beast for the final time. I don't know how it's going to end, but I'm very excited to see how it does. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Part 10. The sequel to the Eisner Award-winning American Vampire reaches its definitive conclusion. July 4th, 1976. Exactly 51 years ago to the day, Skinner Sweet pulled Pirtle Jones from certain death and committed her to eternal life as an American vampire. Now, on America's Bicentennial, after a half-century of fighting for and against one another, the two foils are united in a common cause, locked in an earth-shaking showdown against the Beast for the fate of humankind. Parting words and lasting actions untangle the tense history between the surviving members of the VMS, and Skinner Sweet will either reclaim his coveted immortality or sacrifice his life in the final battle to secure a better future for his companions. Lots of tension and a choice to be made for Skinner for sure. Skinner Sweet is one of the most fascinating characters in all of comics, just in general. So I'm excited to see how this story shakes out. Next up, we have The Flash, annual number one. This is written by Jeremy Adams with art by Fernando Pazarin and Brandon Peterson. And from the looks of it, this is the conclusion to the current uh, wally west flash arc i don't know where we go from here Uh, solicitations have shown that wally continues to be the flash past this but i'm interested to see how they wrap this whole thing up so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here surge conclusion the lightning fast and action-packed surge storyline races to its conclusion as wally west returns to the present day with a new perspective on the past and a reinvigorated desire to take back the mantle of the flash with one last hurdle to leap wally puts the past behind him but he'll need to propel himself further and faster than ever before to do it (sighs) so uh yeah this sounds like a big finale um i'm excited to see what choice Wally makes because prior to this he was going to retire so what exactly is going to propel him to become the Flash again this should be really really interesting next up we have Batman Urban Legends number five this is written by Marguerite Bennett Matthew Rosenberg Chip Zdarsky and Megan Fitzmartin with art by Eddie Barrows Marcus Toe Ryan Benjamin Sweeney Boo and Belen Ortega This book has been incredibly strong. I've been really enjoying it so far, and now it's got my boy Tim Drake in it as of last issue. So this is now one of my top titles over at DC Comics, Tim Drake for the win always. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Red Hood, meet Cheer, the villain behind the insidious Cheer Drops altering the citizens of Gotham. When confronted with a man responsible for taking the lives of so many, including Tyler, the kid Jason Todd swore to protect, will Red Hood be able to stop himself from taking vengeance for a whole city? Grifter. Through four chapters of Blood, Bullets, and Batman, the true reason for Cole cash emerging in Gotham City reveals itself at last. But it's not what you think. Tim Drake. Tim is determined to find his friend Bernard, who was taken by a chaos monster before his very eyes. But this case is different from any Tim has taken on before, and the cracks are starting to show. Batgirls. Cassandra Cain and Stephanie Brown are just two teenagers breaking into Wayne Manor so they can play some video games. But when Oracle gives them a mission, the Batgirls suit up and head to an abandoned arcade to investigate. So yeah, four cool stories looks like uh we're getting the conclusion of either of either red hood and grifter or just grifter so i'm interested to see how they wrap those stories up next up we have justice league last ride number three this is written by Chip zadarsky with art by miguel mendonca I know I probably said that wrong, and I apologize. But I've been loving this book so far. It's been really, really cool having Chip Zdarsky write this team of leaguers. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Apocalypse. Once the fiery terror of the multiverse, now a lifeless husk filled with ghosts and dark secrets. Will the planet formerly ruled by Darkseid help the Justice League, or destroy it? Yeah, so there's been like this big mystery so far in the last couple issues about like something happened on apocalypse, something happened with dark side. So I'm excited to like peel back the layers of this mystery and hopefully find find out what the hell is going on (laughs) next up we have detective comics number 1039 this is written by mariko tamaki with art by victor bogdanovich and tristan jones uh tristan jones also writing the backup from what it looks like here um detective comics what can i say it's 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 been one of the best dc books since the tamaki run started uh it's been fantastic the way that it's working um both kind of in opposed to as well as tangentially with the main batman book like there's no way that both of these books are happening at the same time but like it's it's really fascinating how they're taking both of uh, they're taking two different sides of the gotham that kind of came out of the um Out of the initial Tynan run. So I'm interested to find out where we go next with this. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Neighborhood Part 6 Slash The Vile Truth Looks like someone brought a batarang to a bazooka fight. As the explosive battle royale between Batman and Mr. Worth roars to a climax, Huntress is on the trail of the other major threat plaguing Gotham City, violence, parasite, vile. By the end of this battle, one character will be dead, one avenged, and even more holding on for dear life. Do not miss this epic issue that leads directly into the Batman Secret Files Huntress special plus in the vile truth catch a glimpse into the secret origin of detective comics breakout villain vile through the lens of writer artist tristan jones so yeah vile's actually been really interesting as a villain um i'm super into how like behind the scenes he's been working and how he's been kind of like pulling the strings of stuff very cool villain looking forward to learning more about him next up we have thor 15 this is written by donnie cates of course with art this time by michelle bandini i hope i said that correctly um thor has been fantastic donnie cates has been crafting a thor epic for the ages um pray was fantastic uh i don't know where we're going next after that but donny cates has got some plans he's not going anywhere on this thor book so uh let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here revelations part one the wounds of donald blake have not yet healed and new hell is afoot With all inhabitants back in Asgard, Odin's presence returned after being away for so long. An air of tension now sits upon the throne. Father and son. Allfather and Allfather. Odin and Thor. Is this relationship forever doomed, and what does it mean for the Ten Realms? so yeah revelations looks like it's going to be the new uh new arc revelations means there's going to be secrets and secrets revealed so i am looking forward to this like i said i've been really enjoying donny Cates' run so far prey was definitely a high point and this the cover of this issue has thor bashan caps shield so it's i mean it might not be related but i'm very excited to see how this shakes out but the big book of the week the book i think you should absolutely be picking up this week is infinite frontier number two this is written by joshua williamson with art by Zermonico, and i really dug infinite frontier one um infinite frontier secret files was just kind of giving you some uh background information if you weren't familiar with the characters that were um that are going to be front and center for this series but i really liked *Infinite frontier one it had a hell of a cliffhanger with our boy roy harper so i cannot wait to see how they follow up on that let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here What secrets and changes lurk inside the newly expanded multiverse? The devious Director Bones of the D.E.O. reforms a ragtag team to keep the new worlds at bay. But was highly skilled agent Cameron Chase recruited because the director needs her help? Or because he wants a patsy when things go south? Meanwhile, Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, takes drastic measures to find his missing daughter. Someone has kidnapped Jade, and Alan's going to find out why and bring her home home plus the resurrection of roy hopper gives the former teen titan some unexpected and unpredictable new powers to say the least <laughs> that might be the understatement of the year but yeah really intrigued as to where this story is going what this infinite frontier series is really going to be about besides the obvious you know dark side is lurking and we're going to have to fight him eventually really looking forward to picking this book up But that does it for this week's comics countdown. To recap, we have Action Comics Annual Number One, Iron Man Number Ten, Wonder Woman Number Seven Seventy Five, American Vampire Nineteen Seventy Six Number Ten, The Flash Annual Number One, Batman Urban Legends Number Five, Justice League Last Ride Number Three, Detective Comics Number Ten Thirty Nine, Thor Number Fifteen, and Infinite Frontier Number Two. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Explained podcast and you like what to do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, subscriptions, they really do help me out, really helps the podcast out in the weird podcast algorithm space. Uh, we are almost to 20 ratings. We're at 17 right now. I would love to get three more. And if you give us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can join the likes of our mighty nine, that being C-Fire ND, Matt Draper, Burrito Man eighty eight, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Don Swanson, that guy Brian, Mouth Dork, and Dallas Meeks. I want to say a big thank you to all of these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you also want to be part of our Explained mailbag, you, you can send me emails. I read emails like an old man. I will accept all emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Just put mailbag in the subject header and I will read it here on the podcast like our good brother Brian Real. Always good to hear from Brian. He wrote in. Let's go ahead and read his. It says, Hi, Eric. Hello. Hope you're doing well and had a great Steve Rogers birthday this past weekend. Uh, I'm excited for the Captain America-centered episodes this one. My question is, who from Cap's family, and he put that in quotations, would you like to see make a comeback slash be featured prominently in the next ongoing series? Personally, my go-to is his son, Ian Rogers. Remender's Cap run was the first one I ever read, and it holds a special place in my heart. I loved Ian's character, loved Steve as a father, and loved him being the nomad to Sam's Cap. Since the Hail Hydra mini, he's been M.I.A. I hope he comes back soon. How about you, anyone obscure or just a favorite overall who you want to see alongside cap throwing the shield so uh first off oh he says take care and be well best brian thank you brian as always for writing in love hearing from you man uh, but i also feel that Ian Rogers got a uh, a rough break. The last time we saw him was during Secret Wars. There was a little, you know, one of the tie-ins where he showed up, and that was the last we've seen from him. We haven't seen him since 2015, and that really uh, that really grinds my gears. So I would love to get more of him. I think bringing him back in as an, as Nomad would be awesome. I'm also a fan of people who are dead, <laughs> which is um, which is tough because. I love the relationship between Cap and Rick Jones. Uh, Rick Jones, also, we haven't seen him since uh, Secret Empire because he died. Um, Maybe he's shown up again. I haven't seen him. Um, But I I would love to get more of him and Rick together. I love whenever they're teamed up because of their really odd relationship um i also really like um oh what is his name it's jack he was he was one of the uh bucky's that kind of went insane um i'm just gonna look this up real quick because i have my handy dandy laptop here uh bucky it's jack something let's see here comics jack Jack Monroe, Jack Monroe. So Jack Monroe, I'm sure someone was like shouting at me, Jack Monroe, you idiot. Um, but Jack Monroe, who was part of the uh, team of Cap and Bucky who like went insane, I would love to uh, get more of him. I would love to get more of that Cap. I just, I talked about this before. I love the idea of the Captain Americas who came during the eras of um cap going into the ice to cap getting thawed out and as you know that sliding timeline moves forward more and more there are more decades to explore like if he came out in like the early 2000s there should have been a Captain America in the 70s the 80s and the 90s I would love to explore Captain America who's deployed into the Gulf War or like something like I mean obviously not I don't love war but like I think it would be hella interesting to like learn about Captain America's during that time so I would love that brought back I would love those characters and always, always got time for Ian Rogers. So Brian, thank you so much for your letter. I hope I answered it correctly. And then we also have an email from Ryan Vanderveld, or Ryan Vandervelden. Sorry about that. Uh, Google is not my friend sometimes. But Ryan Vandervelden, a, uh, a, I believe, first time emailer, so thank you Ryan for your email. He writes, Hey Eric, I hope this email finds you well. Back in the archives, you ranked your top 10 favorite Batman Beyond episodes. It was a pretty solid list. However, I found one glaring issue. Okay. While I agree with your placement of dead man's hand i find it an egregious oversight that the egg baby was nowhere to be seen on your list not even mentioned if i recall correctly now this might be a controversial opinion but i find the egg baby endlessly entertaining it's probably the funniest episode in the entire dcau that is a big claim. So it effortlessly earned a spot on my personal top 10 list. I was wondering how you feel about this particular episode. Do you love it? Loathe it? I'd love to hear what you think. Also, I placed my top 10 below. So his top 10 is at number 10 shriek love that episode number nine spellbound number eight once burned yes number seven babble number six the winning edge Mm-hmm. number five is egg baby there it is in top five uh at four out of the past number three dead man's hand number two meltdown number one rebirth now um for reference for context i did put dead man's hand at number two um i had rebirth at number one so we agree on the fr- on um we agree on certain, you know, top uh, top spots here. I have, let's see here, you have... I think we've got one, two... We've got three in common in that top five. Uh, Out of the Past, Dead Man's Hand, and Rebirth. But um, honestly, The Egg Baby is funny. It's a really fun episode. I don't hate it. Um, it's definitely in honorable mentions territory. But for me, it was uh maybe it was because like i wasn't really when i was first watching this and first saw that episode i wasn't of the age to really appreciate that um you know, being of that like high school age of being like, Oh man, I got to deal with this baby. Um, it's a funny episode. It really is taking nothing away from it. But I do think that my, my list is close to my heart. And I, I would say if there was like a top 20 list, then I could see the egg baby being on there. The top 10 lists are hard. Top 10 lists are incredibly hard. Thank you for sharing yours. Um, (laughs) i just realized he signed it thanks ryan the egg baby stan ryan you will always be the egg baby stan thank you very much for your email um egg baby lives egg baby forever (laughs) but that does it for the geeksplain mailbag for this week um thank you once again and again if you want to be part of our geeksplain mailbag feel free to send emails to geeksplain at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and i will read them here also if you want to keep up to date with the podcast on all the things that are happening with it uh participate in polls that decide future episodes or you just want to chat with me about you know the latest geeky stuff that's going on you can feel free to follow us on all the social medias uh, at geek explained pawn Pawn at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I post stuff up there all the time. Uh, Feel free to give us a follow, and I would love to connect with you there. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. That's it for part two of Captain America Month. And next week, very excited about this. Next week, part three, we are diving into the world of film. That's right, we're talking about the MCU, but specifically a film that is celebrating its 10-year anniversary next week week of course i am talking about captain america the first avenger i'm going to be giving you a full breakdown on how that film came to be because it's a lot more complicated than you think and i am just excited about it it's one of my favorite films of all time so tune in next week for part three of captain america month same geek time same geek channel but for now for Geek Explain, this is eric azana thank you very much for listening stay safe and we will See you next time.